This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I am uh, Will Anderson. How are you, Charlie? I'm good, Will. Uh, normally we save our letters for the end of the show, but I thought I would get straight into one because we received quite an interesting uh, email today, sort of pertinent to your position now being a man who lives in the country. Do you ever get worried that now that you're out in bush, like the normal laws of society don't apply, like, you know, every horror film starts with a cabin in the woods. No, that's why I moved to a cabin in the woods, so the normal rules of society would not apply. That is exactly what lured me into this area in the first place. So you're, not, you're more worried about purge-style horror than cabin in the woods-style horror? Yeah, absolutely. Random horror doesn't really uh, terrify me in the way that institutional horror does. I think that, you know, the idea of me being hacked to death by somebody in a cabin in the woods actually is a lot less likely than the imminent destruction of humanity by big business and corporate governments. <laughs> so that's your true horror film, is capitalism. <laughs> Encroaching capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a horror film where somebody comes out at the start and they go, we're not going to murder anybody. Well, not directly. Uh, this is just a movie about the 26 people who control half of the world's population's wealth. Anyway, 3.6 million people are probably going to, billion people are probably going to die at their hands, but they won't see it. Do you think it gets to a point, like there was a report this week that Jeff Bezos could be the world's first trillionaire, like he's on track mm. to be a trillionaire. Well deserved though. Yeah. I mean, well, he works harder than everyone else. It makes sense. Exactly. He worked out that people like to buy stuff from shops. Oh, actually, just get it delivered to your house. He's a genius and he deserves to be a trillionaire, particularly while half the world starves. So do you think that, I mean, it just sort of feels like that's a perfect recipe for a revolution, right? That is a perfect recipe when one person could be that wealthy and that famous. I mean, maybe at least 300, 400 years ago when there was extreme wealth and extreme poverty, you know, the wealthy people were kind of untouchable. They're relatively anonymous if you're uneducated and stuff. But now everyone knows who Jeff Bezos is. The angry, unwashed masses will have a target. Yeah, but it's not just Bezos, right? It's the system itself yes. that creates a Bezos. Because without Bezos, there would just be another Bezos. But don't you think when they when it starts, of course, like it's the system that will be brought down. But he's the figurehead of that system. There's the world's richest man. You become... The figurehead. For, I mean, Gates will cop it too. They're all going to cop it. Well, Gates is already copying it because, of course, he caused coronavirus yeah. and he's holding on to all the vaccines for maximum profits. Um, now, I think that the the main problem is that, you know, the Silicon Valley culture, which is like the, you know, the ultimate example of, you know, 
capitalism wrought, you know, at its worst extremes. You know, mm. that sort of Silicon Valley, you invent an app called Yo and you get a billion dollars in fucking financing for something that the world doesn't need and then it all fucking collapses because none of it's sustainable. That model of the world, unfortunately, during this time has only been reinforced. There is nothing about what we're going through right now that will in any way lead to a revolution to bring down those people because we've become more entrenched in their lives. All we've done is sit at home and use the internet and use like all these companies, these social media companies, these internet companies and Amazon, a home delivery company, they've all been massively entrenched in our lives in even a bigger way during this without us even noticing. So what, are you saying it's our fault? No, I'm not saying it's our fault. I'm just saying the fact that we had a global pandemic worked in the arsehole's favour. <laughs> like there are arseholes getting richer because people are dying all over the world. I mean, you could sort of flip it the other way and go, well, thank God those services exist. Like, thank God we're able to stay connected. We're able to get food delivered and stuff. Mm. You know, if That's how they get you, Charlie. That's how they lock you into the infrastructure. Thank God for these people not paying their workers properly and making them go out in terrible conditions to deliver me the, my food to the safety of my house. Thank God for these people. Of course, I will hand over my privacy and data so that I can be tracked through this time. Of course. Well, it does sort of feel like, I mean, I don't know what it's like in your area, but because uh, in Sydney the restrictions were relaxed this weekend and there was a festivist type atmosphere. Mm. I could tell out and about a few of the cafes near us had, you know, up to 10 people in there and stuff, but even just people out and about and walking around and just sort of feeling like that first few weeks of zoom calls and food deliveries and stuff, people were like, okay, well, you know, this is good. We can make it work. And then in the end, everyone just wants to be able to go back to do what they want. They, could, they were doing in the old days. They want to be able to go to the shops. They want to be able to go to a restaurant. They want to be able to see their friends. They want to be able to like actually have physical contact with people. Well, what I love is you said that they were, you know, the, the laws relaxed, and that is certainly how people have responded to it. But they haven't been. They've been eased. We're meant to be mm. going out and still being really socially distant, and we're still meant to be minimizing the amount of times we go out. It wasn't like a hall pass to go out and hang out with 10 mm. people every time you go outside of the house. But people have taken it as if that was the case. As soon as there was any word there was going to be a slight easing, people have just decided uh, it's all fine now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we talked about that last week, that whatever the government did, even if there was going to be like a minor, minor easing of restrictions, it needed to do something just for everyone's kind of state of mind <laughs> because there was this kind of uh, just like cabin fever that people were experiencing. I'm actually pretty amazed how well Gemma and I have done considering we're in an apartment with no outdoor area, with an eight-month-year-old baby, and we are still getting on relatively well. Enjoy each other's company, m no minimal amounts of kind of conflict, and getting on with work and stuff as well, balancing all that out. It's like, ah, oh. I think maybe it was because prior to this, we'd been traveling all over the place, you know, been in all these different places with a baby and working and all this kind of stuff. And so it's been, actually been like enforced staying home. It's like, okay, <laughs> we can adapt to this. Yeah, in some ways it can be quite a relief. I think the easing of restrictions, look, who knows? Maybe the easing of restrictions will all go fine and there's not going to be any second wave and, you know, this is the start of everything getting back to normal. And I sincerely hope that that is the case, but it just seems on the worldwide evidence that there's at least some possibility that that won't be the case. I completely understand the idea that people needed to, you know, see other people, people needed to, um, you know, get that mental relief, all those sort of things. Absolutely. But the idea that we ease yep. it 
was never going to work because the minute someone says, oh, you can now do this, everyone was like, all right, all bets are off. I'm just doing whatever the fuck I want now. And that, so yeah. I think that we've gone the wrong way. This like sort of six-week easing yeah. in stages makes no fucking sense at all. Here's what we should have done. We should have just purged it. We should have said, <laughs> you've got 24 hours. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do in 24 hours, but then you have to go back into quarantine again. And they just give us one of those yeah, every like, two weeks or so. Every two weeks, 24 hours, go out, get it out of your yeah. fucking system, then go home and quarantine again. Easy for you to say. The guy who's moved to the bush, like at his cabin in the woods, as is calling for a purge. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks a lot. What about the rest of us in the high-density area? Well, that's where the purge should start. <laughs> All right, let's get to this okay. letter. It is pertinent to um, uh, the area that you have moved to. Um, it's from Andrew. He says he's just finished listening to uh, an episode from two weeks ago, Happy Fisherman, about Will's new handyman skills and homicidal tendencies. There is great satisfaction to doing all these tasks with your own hands without reopening the debate on gender roles. It feels very manly taking care of business for yourself, maybe not riding side saddle on a mower, though. I assume Will's next festival festival poster to be him in a flannel and a beanie, full beard, and a pack of Winfield Reds rolled up into his sleeve. Anyway, would they be Willfield Willfield Reds? You could call them, I guess. <laughs> that could be the name of your show. Mm. No, uh, it's not. It's not a no. great pun. You're as good as puns as you are <laughs> rhyming. That's what we've what just worked out. Anyway, uh, congrats on the tree change, Will. I wonder if you've heard of a cult called Universal Medicine which is apparently in an area near you. Um, I thought this might be worth a deep dive in one episode. And then he goes on. We'll give this, he's got a personal anecdote about this cult, and then we can get into the, uh, the Wikipedia link. Okay, great. Okay, the way I found out about these guys was during a work trip. We stayed in an Airbnb. Turns out our hosts were part of this cult, Universal Medicine. Have you heard of them, firstly? Have you heard of them? I've, I've not heard of Universal Medicine. I've heard rumours of there being cults up here, so I'm very interested in exploring this, but I did not know they were called Universal Medicine. I've got to be honest with you, it sounds like a good thing. No, it doesn't. It sounds like a boring health fund. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that like, you know, it sounds like something Bernie Sanders was arguing for, yeah. Universal Medicine. <laughs> yeah. You know, like everybody should have the right to medicine. I quite like that. It might be of medicine from the universe. I'm starting to suspect if it's culty, but... Universal medicine to me, like, I mean, we're the number one uh, medical podcast in Australia. <laughs> I wonder if we have any <gasps> listeners in the universal, universal medicine. medicine. That'd be amazing. Speaking of which, did you if, see? If, if anyone out there is a universal medical doctor, <laughs> then give us, a, send how, us an email. How great was that, uh, that listener on, um, on Instagram who's, she's an, I assume, a nurse? Or at least works in a hospital. Mm. I won't assume she's a nurse. Um, but she was w drinking from her TOEFOP, uh, Australia's number one medical podcast mug, while at work in her, uh, in her hospital gear. It was awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, the way I found out about this, uh, these guys was during a work trip when we stayed in Airbnb. It turns out our host were part of this cult. We actually we accidentally thought it was our own house, but it turned out to be the rooms in their house. Mum didn't seem to care about oh. this. What? Is everything all right? I thought you, you were saying we accidentally thought it was our own house. And I was like, how do you stay in an Airbnb and then just forget that it's not your own house? But I understand now. Yeah, he thought they had the house to themselves. Uh, it turns out to be rooms in their house. Mum didn't seem to care about these two blokes sleeping in rooms either side of her 12-year-old daughter. Great parenting. Anyway, long story short, yeah, we'll just skip over that bit. They seemed odd. 
The room I was staying in looked like she had told her son to stay with his friends tonight because she's rented out his room. After falling asleep, I woke up, put my arm under the pillow. Underneath was a postcard with a really odd symbol on it. Reading the back of this card, uh, was, it was meant to be placed under the pillow of boys aged 3 to 12 to control their behavior. It came with a warning though. If you notice an improvement, the card needs to be taken out. Odd, but I just threw it on the floor and went back to sleep. <laughs> so, instant disrespect for universal medicine. Next morning, I woke up for breakfast only to find my milk sandwich and uh, a sandwich meat and frozen dinner for the following night had been thrown out. Out of line with their beliefs, I guess. Safe to say, I avoided that house as long as possible the following night, sneaking in late and leaving at the crack of dawn the next day. I only wish I'd gotten one of those breast massages. <laughs> I'm assuming that's a part of the Universal Medical Cult when we get to the link. Thanks for the free content. One of my favorite pods. Some have come and gone over the years, but I always love my comedy conversation between two old pals. All right. Do you want to dig a bit deeper into Universal Medicine? I do. UM. Um, it feels very mystical, even that. Um... The way, okay, universal medicine, colon, the way of the livingness. That's better. That's more culty. That's what I want. You know what I mean? I always like children of the light. Uh, now, what was that? Um, what are those ones, the comet ones who all killed themselves? What were they called? Weren't they the children of something? Um, so tell me uh, what this one's called. The What is it called? The way of the livingness? Universal medicine, the way of the livingness. The way of the livingness. That really sounds like they've had a consultant come in and they used to be called the way of the livingness. And people are, like, That's just, people are never going to remember that. You're going to have to call yourself something more corporate for your documents, universal medicine. Well, they're also known as Unimed and UM. And they are defined um, as a socially harmful cult. Founded and led by Sergey Benhayen, a former bankrupt tennis coach from New South Wales who has no medical qualifications. I love it. So he's also probably no qualifications to teach tennis because he's gone bankrupt. So he's an ex-tennis coach who's gone bankrupt being a tennis coach and he's gone, what can I do as a job coming out of uh, this? Uh, what are my skills suitable for? I'm going to start a cult. No sentence ever ends well that begins with former tennis coach does it like it, it seems to be the occupation of a creep always is like whenever you hear some dodgy story teacher's pet or whatever it's always some former tennis coach yeah this is where this cult should have actually started and stopped as soon as he introduced anyone he goes i've got these great ideas about how you should be living your life oh by the way i should mention legally i'm a former tennis coach <laughs> and people just go oh i'm sorry this is not the cult for me. You've got some great ideas, but I'm not getting involved with a former tennis coach. Did you ever play tennis as a kid? Uh, no. So um, I played... So cricket was up against tennis right. in our town. Yeah, so basically you chose cricket or tennis. And mm. then one summer, because uh, Denison, where I'm from, 250 people, no shops, but had tennis courts. And so then one summer, when my parents were just trying to get rid of us for, you know, a bit of the day during the summer, there was a like a two-week sort of intensive tennis mm. camp, I guess, is, is the best. So you just go a few hours a day to this sort of tennis lessons, tennis camp. And it turned out that, because I'd been playing cricket for years because my dad was a really good cricketer and my brother was a really good cricketer and I was a terrible cricketer, just never was the, really the game for me, no matter how hard I tried. But I had a really natural aptitude for tennis 
and really enjoyed the game and actually dominated at this camp. And mm. then afterwards was just like, why the fuck did my parents <laughs> not let me play tennis? I was heaps better at tennis. I'm much better when the thing that you've got to hit the ball with is heaps bigger and wider, <laughs> not as long and thin and hard to control. So... Um, I then didn't play again uh, for years, and then at uni, my um, uh, the the dude that I was living with at uni, Craig Bradshaw, he was a keen sports person in general. So like most days, we would either go and play a game of pickup basketball or go and play a game of tennis. And so for three years during uni, I played play tennis every second or third day. Yeah, right. I never got into tennis. <clears throat> we we had tennis courts near us as well. And we even had a tennis wall. Do you remember that? You don't really see them very much. But back in the day in parks, there would be like a brick wall with like a line, like a net line painted on it. And so we used to go down and hit the ball against the fence. But uh, there was a tennis coach in my neighborhood who was one of those tennis coaches, like coached teenage girls. And then I think married one of them or at least ran off with one of them. It's like, I just... It's one of those occupations where you're like, I don't know. I mean, when Ione gets to her teenage years, if she wants to play tennis, absolutely not. (laughs) Do you reckon there are some people who are tennis coaches now? Oh, by the way, how old's Ione at this point? Eight months. Nah, too late to get a good at tennis. You should have started her about three months ago, if I know anything about how you make a tennis champion. so Yeah, well, the only thing worse than a tennis coach is a tennis dad. I mean, I'll yeah. have to Demir Dokic it up a bit. <laughs> Just well, get her out the, practicing now. It's the, the tennis dad is the tennis coach. This is yeah. what most, most tennis dads, people who fall into that category, are literally former tennis coaches. And the trouble normally starts when their kid gets good enough that they have to go and get another coach for their tennis. So yeah. uh, it fits into this category. Do you think there are people still coaching tennis who don't want to coach tennis anymore, but are just terrified about the stain it will be on their reputation <laughs> to be a former tennis coach? Yeah, exactly. How could you apply for any other job? It's like, well, uh, looks like you went to a great university, uh, good schooling, and spent a bit of time traveling. That's always good. And, uh, oh, you're a former tennis coach. <laughs> I'm sorry. Security, escort him out of the building. <laughs> I'm willing to. I'm willing to take up coaching again. I want to. I want this job. Uh, okay, so Sergey Benhayen, uh, former tennis coach. His cult sells esoteric healing products, music publications, workshops, and courses. Okay. None of the healing modalities are evidence-based or have been proven to be effective by any scientific research. Um, Uruguayan-born Ben Hayen founded the group in 1999 after receiving what he described as an energetic impress while on the toilet. <laughs> Sorry, don't just don't skip over. Sorry, I was I was about to get I was about to get obsessed by Ben Hay- Ben Hayen. The what is he? Where's he from? Uruguay. Yeah, the Uruguayan Ben Hayen, which was amusing enough for me. Like, that was going to be all I needed out of this sentence. I was like, there's my riff, Uruguayan yeah. Ben Hayen. Like, the fact that he would introduce himself like that, I'm yeah. the Uruguayan Ben Hayen. And then the rest of that sentence read again. <laughs> Uruguayan Ben Hayen founded the group in 1999 after receiving what he described as an energetic impress while on the toilet. An energetic impress while on the toilet. Now, firstly, I'm not sure what an energetic impress is, but it don't energetic impress me much. Secondly, the fact that he's had it on the toilet is a detail that he did not need to share with anybody. I like, mean, if, I, if I were William Shakespeare 
and I came up with, you know, a Midsummer Night's Dream while having a poo, I can just tell people that I came up with it at my desk after a poo rather than, like, I mean, there's no reason for the Uruguayan Ben Hayen to tell people that he was on the toilet when he got his divine inspiration. And it's clearly a, it's clearly a, a specific moment that he has mentioned before because on this Wikipedia entry, there are three links to it. It's been, cited, it's been cited three times. There's three separate articles that all link to him having energetic impress while on the toilet. Right. So he's a former tennis coach who, who won't stop talking about the fact that his divine inspiration came while he was doing a number two. A New South Wales Supreme Court jury found it was true to say that he leads a socially dangerous and socially harmful cult, intentionally indecently touched clients, and is a charlatan who makes fraudulent medical claims. Mm. I once had a job years ago as a copywriter. Um, just this uh, company contacted me. They needed me to write some copy selling this. It was a product out of Asia. It was like this little stone disc that you would drop in your water that would apparently like, you know, energize the water and, you know, fire it up and, you know, make it the water more nutritious and hydrating and blah, 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 blah. And I remember getting one, you know, they'll send me all the info and then I have to turn it into like, a, you know, interesting copy or whatever. But just reading it and being like, this is made up. <laughs> this is completely made up. Like, I don't even know why you're bothering sending me all this information because I could just sit here and use my imagination and come up with stuff that's probably just as good, you know, like these stones were formed in the bottom of a volcano. Uh, Rumours have it that it was formed by the tears of a dragon, blah, blah, blah. But um, these things, uh, they were hugely popular. And it was, again, it was like a similar thing where it's like there is no medical science to it. It was just... It was just, what can we, what's free? Water. How can we charge people for water? Well, they have to put a disc in it <laughs> that makes it more nutritious and more hydrating. Well, so much of the wellness industry is just capitalism dressed up as wellness. That's the truth, right? People are looking for a genuine connection to older ways and, you know, alternative therapies and all these sort of things. But the truth of it is that it's mostly just somebody trying to con you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, under the quick facts about universal medicine, here are some of their claims. And this is where I think Andrew's breast massage thing comes in. So mm -hmm. they're into esoteric healing, esoteric breast massage, chakra puncture, ovarian... Okay, hang on. Let's, let's um, slow down a little bit. Okay. So we, I think we have to work out what esoteric is. Because what does esoteric mean? Well, let's just see what uh, Wikipedia tells us. Okay. Uh, okay. It's primarily concerns the relationship of the soul to the personality, of the spiritual to the material. Uh, disease has its ultimate roots in some kind of blocked or inhibited soul life. Therefore, healing consists of releasing the soul that is establishing the, ro the right relation between the soul and the personality, where the personality is defined as the instrument of soul expression. So that's kind of like... Have you ever heard people say, oh, you've got a sore back? It's because, you know, you're, you're not dealing with, uh, uh, you, 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 you take on too much burden from other people. Your body's telling you that, you, you know, you've, your foot's sore. Well, it's because you need to travel, that kind of shit. Well, there is some scientific, and I don't want to bring science into this because this is clearly not the area for it, but there is some scientific evidence that, uh, you know, particularly when it comes to things like back pain, that if you are thinking about it, your back pain is worse, whereas you can control your mind not to think about it. So that connection between 
I think all of us instinctively have that idea of going, when I'm healthier, I feel happier. And when I'm happier, I feel healthier. And we all kind of have that sense that there is something that is true about that. And then that is used as an extrapolation for this mumbo jumbo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think when you're specifically saying it's like uh, astrology or tarot cards, when you're specifically saying this physical ailment you have is related specifically to this event or this person or this situation, then I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. You don't, so what you, you don't need a chiropractor, mate. What you need to do is pay your cancel rates. <laughs> that is the burden. <laughs> yeah. You don't have cancer. What you need to do is subscribe to the TOEFOP Patreon. <laughs> Australia's number one medical podcast. <laughs> Will not cure cancer. Uh, okay. Esoteric breast massage, which, you know, I'm assuming release the boobs, release the the heart, something like that. The soul. The soul is behind the boobs. I mean, you carry a lot of, I think, your deep soul issues in your boobs, I've often found. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm always saying to Jim. Like, you look stressed. Yeah. Let me rub your boobs. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> chakra puncher, not as in puncher, as in puncture, as in to pierce. Chakra. Oh, piercing, so not not, not like a Mick, not not like a Mick Fanning in the surf punching <laughs> chakra a chakra. Puncher? <laughs> Sounds more like a Steven Seagal film. He's chakra puncher. Yeah, he studied the Eastern arts, and now he's a chakra puncher. Um, ovarian read. You know what, Will? Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about your internet privacy on your home network, do you? I mean, I do, actually. I think about it quite a lot. But I understand the point is that a lot of people don't. Well, do you think that maybe you just like fire up incognito mode on your browser and then no one will be able to see what you're doing? Is that what you think? Well, I don't think that, but I know that other people think that. Well, no, just say you think that because I need, I need you. To, it's a call and response kind okay. of thing. Okay, I think that. Yes, that's exactly Wrong. what I think. Wrong, Will, you oh. idiot. <laughs> no, <laughs> got me. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced, you moron. No, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's if, what I was saying in the first place. Even if you clear your browsing history, your internet service product can still see every single website you've ever visited. How do you feel about that? Oh, I feel disgusting. Like I need to throw my computer <laughs> out the window. Well, good news, Will. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP, that's your internet service provider, can't see what sites you visited. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN's secure services. Now, it's great. I use ExpressVPN all the time. And you can choose you feel like Jason Bourne. You can choose what country you can fool people into thinking you're in. Sometimes I'll just, you know, like when you're a kid and you spring the, spin the globe of the world and you put your fingers somewhere, that's what I'll do with ExpressVPN. Suddenly I'm in Africa. Now I'm in America. Now I'm in Asia. You can't find me. I'm nowhere and everywhere at the same time, thanks to ExpressVPN. How does it actually work? Like when you turn on your computer, how does ExpressVPN actually fire up and work? Well, basically you install it in your computer or on your phone or on any of your devices. And then you, uh, once you, log on you go open the app or you open expressvpn on your desktop and then you can just choose you literally just choose the country you want to you want to you want to cloak yourself i don't know if that's the correct term but you cloak yourself in that country each expressvpn server has an ip address that's shared amongst thousands of users that means everything you do is anonymized and can't be traced back to you anonymized i've never even knew that is that a word anonymized it is now 
Uh, well, I've never needed to anonymize anything, but now that I know that anonymize is a word, I'm going to be constantly anonymizing things. I'm going to be taking labels off things in my <laughs> cupboard so we don't know whether it's beans or spaghetti because I'm like, what happened to this? I'll be like, I anonymized it. Well, no, not only are you anonymized, it also encrypts 100% of your data with the best in-class encryption so your information is always protected. Use the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet or smartphone. ExpressVPN has you covered on every single device. Simply tap one button and you're protected. And the best thing about it too is you can also access stuff that might be region locked. You know, uh, episodes of Saturday Night Live, HBO shows, things like that. If you want to watch them and you don't want to wait, if you want to say to Rupert Murdoch, hey, buddy, you don't control me. I'm my own man. You can use your ExpressVPN to do that as well. Sometimes it's just like you're watching, you're reading an article, you know, and they've got a link to a video and then you go, oh, this is great. I've just read this article about this video. Now I'm going to watch this video. And it's like, you can't watch it in this region. And I'm just like, who is this serving? Yeah. This is just frustrating. And this isn't protecting any sort of copyright or protecting any, like I'm an artist. I understand the idea of people stealing your entertainment and stuff, but this isn't protecting anybody. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET wide, The Verge and countless more. So... To protect your online activity today with the VPN, I trust secure my privacy and Will will use to tr secure his privacy and his, what is that word again? Keep his stuff anonymized. Visit my special link at expressvpn.com slash TOEFOP. That's expressvpn.com slash TOEFOP. And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds amazing. I'm going to become a full-time anonymizer. That's going to be my new career <laughs> after this pandemic. Yeah. I'm going to come back as an anonymizer. That sounds like a sequel to The Equalizer. There was once Edward Woodward, now there's Will Woodward Wood. <laughs> yeah, and I'm in the anonymizer, and I go into people's lives who need to be erased from society and anonymize them. That's expressvpn.com slash TOEFOP. Expressvpn.com slash TOEFOP. Go there and learn more. Anonymize today. Things. <laughs> Uh, which Ooh. is like I mean look this is sounding more and more former tennis coachy isn't it like the breast massage the ovarian mm. reading it's it's very tennis coachy ex-tennis former exactly. tennis coachy okay. yeah actually the the, the uh the manual that gives everybody guidance for this cult is actually just an old tennis coaching manual that he had. <laughs> he's just crossed out <laughs> tennis and he's just written in enlightenment. Um, esoteric ovary. So there's ovarian readings and esoteric mm. ovary massage. Yeah. How do you massage I mean, the ovaries, do you imagine, in this cult way? Um, you ask someone to take off their top. I think that's the first step. <laughs> because, of course, and your pants. I mean, I need to get to... I need your top and your pants have to come off so I can get to your ovaries properly. Yeah. Uh, maybe take your underpants off as well. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's what I'm assuming. Um, and he also does esoteric connective tissue therapy. Now, look, call me crazy, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to Ben Hayen's uh, specific skill set, how often do you reckon he goes to the esoteric connective tissue therapy when he's got breast massage and ovary massage in front of him? Do you reckon that one comes at the end of the session? Only when the other two haven't helped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. The organization, an unregulated health service provider, is principally located uh, near Lismore, New South Wales. Its European, headqu European headquarters are known as the Lighthouse and is situated uh, in, in between Titherington and Frome in Somerset, England. The signature treatments practiced and taught by Universal Medicine are esoteric breast massage, mm -hmm. esoteric healing, 
ovarian readings, chakra puncture, esoteric connective tissue therapy, and esoteric ovary massage. All treatments were devised by non-registered health practitioner Sergey Benhayen, who has claimed the business grosses at least $2 million a year from courses and retreats. Okay, yep. So Lismore, um, I actually went to Lismore the other day, it does not seem like the quite a... Um, Plainish country town, Lismore. Right. No offence to the good people of Lismore, but it is not the sort of place you would imagine is the beating heart of an international breast massage cult. <laughs> Do you think that, that that's the perfect disguise? Though you don't want a bu- you don't want like a to be in like a uh, uh, like a Waco style bunker. Mm. Like they just sort of blend in. And then when you least attracts attention, you're saying so. It's like a brown wrapping over your porno magazine. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's like a ExpressVPN hiding your uh, <laughs> hiding your IP address. <laughs> there you go. There's a free plug. Yeah, I'm not sure they would love the association of how we got there, but sure, <laughs> ExpressVPN, they're great. The followers of its doctrine, the way of livingness, are known collectively as the student body. I like it. It's kind of got like an 80s sex comedy vibe to it. Uh, the student body. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, former tennis coach, works with students, the student body. Who would have been, because I imagine uh, this is about some hot, you know, uh, is it like a, is it a take on a sort of, you know, cop, uh, 21 Jump Street style thing where like a hot cop has to go back to school in some sort of role, but he's like the hottest girl in all of the school or something like that, the student body? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's because it's collectively known as a student body. The teachings are classified into meditation, self-care, nutrition, exercise, music, reincarnation, psychological well-being, and the esoteric, and are supported by audio, books, and online lectures. Mm. Well, he's moving into the 20th century, yeah. (laughs) Sergei Benhayan describes himself as a seer, calls himself the Ascended Master. As seer? Does he wear one of those wigs around so people can't (laughs) see his face? Yeah. He said, guys, I've got a new proclamation. I want to fly like a chandelier. (laughs) He doesn't actually appear. He just gets a little little girl to come out in a wig who sort of dresses like him. (laughs) She dances real weird. Uh, He wants his followers to call him the new Messiah. Always comes back to that, doesn't it? There's always those cult leaders. It just starts off with a bit of breast massage, a bit of esoteric ovary readings, and then it becomes call me the new Messiah. You know what the thing about that is, is like, that's not even a recreation of the Jesus story. Like, you know, there wasn't, I don't think there's many elements in the Bible. I've not read it every bit, but I'm sure it would have been brought to my attention at this point where Jesus massaged people's breasts, right? Feet was as far as he would go. He'd, he'd wash the feet of some like lepers or prostitutes, but I never heard anything about him going, now, now love, <laughs> pop down the top. Well, yeah, but maybe that was his thing. Maybe he was like the Tarantino oh, yeah, the Messiah right. group. Like he loves feet. Like uh, it's it's boobs and bums mm. for most guys, but for for Jesus, it was feet. Just every time a leper came in, Jesus was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the disciples are like, no more feet, Jesus. Just let me wash <laughs> one more pair. Oh, Jesus! When they're hammering his feet to the cross, he's like, oh. Rome's like, oh. I think this sicko's getting off on this. <laughs> the Romans get all weirded out. <laughs> I think, he, I think he just came. Jesus is like, don't kink shame me. <laughs> Crucifying I can handle, but kink shaming. 
They also, uh, his followers that is, they also believe he was the one sent from the mythical kingdom of Shambhala mm-hmm. to awaken us all. Uh, he's the only human to have achieved the highest level of, of initiation on earth and claims the new... S- uh, and claims the New South Wales Supreme Court ruling against him to be totally untrue. Do you mm. know what Shambhala is? Should we just click on that and find out what Shambhala no, is? No, but I would love to know. Shambhala. Uh, in Tibetan Buddhist tradition, Shambhala is a mythical kingdom. Uh, I guess it's like the, it's the equivalent of heaven. Sanskrit name is taken from the city mentioned in the Hindu Puranas, probably... Reference to Shambhala and uh, the mythology. Da, 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 I guess. Okay, boring. All right, he's from Shambhala. Good on him. But he denied the denied the allegations from the uh, New South Wales Supreme Court. Well, Ben Hayen has denied engaging in unethical practices. Significant evidence to the contrary <laughs> has been documented. So there's more evidence uh, to the contrary than there is uh, evidence to back up any of his medical claims. Yeah. Ben Hayen's esoteric healing belief system is based on the occult teachings of the 20th century theophysist, theosophist, Alice A. Bailey. Sergei Ben Hayen has claimed to be the reincarnation of Leonardo da Vinci and Pythagoras, as well as Alice A. Bailey, Imhotep, and St. Peter. I mean, pick a fucking lane, dude. Like, you're jumping all over the shop. Da Vinci Pythagoras... So an Italian, a Greek, Alice A. Bailey, Imhotep, an Egyptian, and St. Peter. Okay, so let's go through them one by one. No. Uh, so who's the first one? Da Vinci. Da Vinci. Okay, well, that's a good, you know, I, I get that. If you're going to go, that's a big lead off, go strong. One of the, yeah. you know, most accomplished humans that, you know, we can document ever lived. Good start. Pythagoras. Pythagoras. Mathematician. Pythagoras. It's, going, it's going for the Adam Spencer market. <laughs> I mean, so far, big on the maths nerds. He started hard in the maths world. Yeah. Uh, what Pythagoras' theorem, what is it? I know, that, I know that it's that, about it's triangles. Thing. I'm not sure what it is. Oh, yeah, cool. That's right. Um, Alice A. Bailey, who is the theophys- theophysist, the- mm-hmm. theos- theosophist. Is that like theologian? Theosophist. I'm just clicking on her link. Theophilist. Theophilist. She was a theosophist. Theosophical, she wrote 24 books on theosophical subjects and was one of the first writers to use the term New Age. She might be the the queen of woo-woo. Yes, she is the queen of woo-woo. Describes a wide-ranging system of esoteric thought covering topics of spirituality as it relates to the solar system, meditation, healing, spiritual psychology. Look, I'm sure someone's going to contact us to say she's not woo-woo, but my brief uh, scanning of that sounds like she's woo-woo. At least 50%. She, I could lock in at least one woo. She's at least 50% woo. She might not be the full woo-woo, but it feels to me like she's it, probably woo-woo-woo, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the word esoteric, right? Mm. That's the it's the red flag. Uh, Imhotep, who was a Egyptian chancellor yep. to the pharaoh. Wasn't he one of the... Wasn't Imhotep the, in one of the mummy movies? Yes. Yeah, the one with Bruce Campbell. Mm. Where he comes back to life. Bruce Campbell plays Elvis in the nursing home. Oh, is that? Yeah, so that's Imhotep. Yeah, in that one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and then St. Peter, who was uh, Jesus's best mm. mate. Bit weirded out by Jesus's foot fetish. <laughs> was constantly going, you know, want to be great, mate. What about the boobs? Let's see if you can... <laughs> Man, I just... This complete... You just triggered a memory that I obviously suppressed. It just came back to me. Now, I remember... Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I remember, I did play tennis. <laughs> No, I remember when I was 15, I think it was like my first ever girlfriend or, you know, the first girl I'd 
uh, was seeing regularly. We'll go and steady or whatever you'd call it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember I invited her around to my place because mum was out. And I was like, I'm going to seduce her. Like, that's going to be my big thing. Like, 15, you know, we're going to make out and stuff. And so my whole seduction technique was, I remember, I got her to sit in the armchair in our living room. <laughs> I went and got a bucket of warm water and a cloth, and I washed her feet. <laughs> I've completely suppressed that memory until now. I clearly see it, though. I remember thinking... I'll, I'll wash her feet and give her a foot massage. Like, women love that. Like, 15-year-old me, that was my seduction technique. And I remember her being really, really uncomfortable with the whole thing. Like, she would have much preferred if I'd given an esoteric boob what, massage. Why? Why would she possibly be uncomfortable with the idea of being invited around to a totally normal thing? Charlie's like, she's probably thinking, this is great, we'll get to make out too. And then you get out a bucket. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> And I was, I mean, what was I thinking? I guess I thought it was just like, it was kind of, uh, you know, unusual and special. And it's like, hey, babe, you know, <laughs> like, I'm going to give you something you'll never forget. <laughs> it was so weird. Anyway. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, Ben Hayen has written that Leonardo da Vinci is a claimed son of God and teaches that he's connected energetically to ancient lineage of living mm -hmm. wisdom. And more high initiates and claimed sons of God will reincarnate over and over again until each and every single human is united as one by their true light. Okay, so it sounds like there in every generation there are chosen ones, uh, and he is one of these people. The more, the more, the, the more, more of these people who who reach uh, enlightenment, the the quicker the world will all come together. And so, Charlie, answer me this. Yep. If you're Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, and you let, let's do a timeline on it. So Pythagoras is what Pythagoras is before. So we got Jesus, yeah, Imhotep, Imhotep's before Jesus. So you Imhotep, yep. right? Then you Jesus. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think he, he wasn't claiming Jesus. He's just the new Messiah. Oh, he's the new Messiah. Okay, so you Imhotep, yeah, yeah. Then you Pythagoras, Imhotep, then you Leonardo da Vinci. Da Vinci. Oh no, no, it would go, it would go, it would go Imhotep, Pythagoras, mm. Saint Peter, da Vinci, Alice a. Bailey. Okay, so that's your line. Then former bankrupt tennis coach. <laughs> that's that's going to be tough when you've been the, rest the world's greatest mathematician, the world's greatest inventor, and one of the world's greatest leaders and warriors, and you come back and you can't even keep your tennis coaching business open. I mean, it's kind of like the Hall of Presidents. You know how like they're like, oh, God, do we have to put Donald Trump in there as well? Like, this used to be a prestigious club. I mean, it is a bit like that, isn't it? The, the, all right. Um, okay, so go on. Okay. All right. So Ben Hayen also has, claims that his daughter, Simone, a swimming teacher and the head of Universal Medicine in UK, is the reincarnation of Winston Churchill. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, amazing. She, I mean, she's a swimming coach, so like that's not that's like one step removed from former tennis coach, swimming coach, right? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, she's a future former swimming coach, but yeah. she's currently a swimming coach, so that's okay. Um, Sergey Benhayen devised. You know, it makes sense too that she's Winston Churchill because he said we will fight them on the beaches, and if we're going to fight them on the beaches, <laughs> we'll need to know how to swim. <laughs> so that's very important. 
Sergey Van Hayen devised universal medicine's healing practices based on the belief that disease is caused by energetic disharmony resulting from ill choices made in this and previous lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Van Hayen teaches that there are more that there are two types of energy: prana, uh, which is Sanskrit for life, life force, and fire. So there's life force and fire, which is weird, right? Because Normally with those things, it tends to be like a yin-yang, a balance. Mm. But he's just got life force and fire, which seems like two of the same things. Needs a rewrite is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's he, he's basically Michael Bade's religion. Yeah. Like other filmmakers would have some sort of balance and nuance, but he's just like, you know what? what you know what's better than a scene with heaps of guns? A scene with heaps more guns. <laughs> that explode. <laughs> Most forms of established wisdom, knowledge, and belief, as well as most uh, music on earth and certain foods, are believed to contain prana, which he regards as evil. Okay. So life force he considers evil. (laughs) Prana is to be rejected or cleared to be replaced with fiery energy, which emanates from the the atmic womb of God. Universal medicine, healing modalities and products, including teas, herbal elixirs, creams, and laminated healing symbol postcards, which is what uh, Andrew experienced, aim to clear prana. Okay, so let me get this straight. Most things contain prana, which is the Sanskrit word for life force. But Mm. you want to clear the life force out of anything and replace it with fiery energy, which emanates from the atmic womb of God. You got that? Well, so firstly, this is classic marketing. Create a problem and then solve the problem. Yeah. It's like people didn't really care about body hair until the razor companies decided they want to shame us about body hair and they create a new market. So you make somebody feel shit and so you go, oh, you got to watch out for prana, mate. Prana is everywhere. It's in everything. Uh, Yep. In your pajamas, prana in pajamas. It's everywhere. (laughs) You can't avoid it. But luckily, I am the only person who has a range of products that can fix your prana and replace them with atomic energy from god's womb or something <laughs> prana is so dangerous you can drop a fully grown cow into a sea of it and it'll devour it in eight seconds <laughs> okay this is a quote from sergey ben Hayen. it's his message for the new era this is on january 12th first of january 2012 um i know more than any scientist in my inner heart I know everything about the universe and how it works. I can answer any question about any mystery in the world and any mystery in the universe. Now, hang on. Is that uh, him or is that Donald Trump's recent press conference about the COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs> it does sound similar, doesn't it? That was him in 2012. Ben Hayen teaches that people who abuse their authority, such as dictators and corrupt politicians are reincarnated as children with disabilities. Oh, my God. Such as Down syndrome and any other disabled child. This is a quote from him, not me. And claims disabilities such as autism and Down syndrome are karma for past life sins. He's also controversially stated on many occasions that sexual abuse, including that towards children, is karma from past lives and the universe attempting to stop a person from continuing to make non-loving choices. Ooh. Great advice from a former tennis coach, right? Well, I mean, yeah, this is where he buries it deep in his philosophy. All his fucking, I've got to look out for a few of my other former tennis coach mates. Uh, turns out, no, 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 wasn't wasn't his fault, mate. It was uh, that person <laughs> was bad life. in a previous life. Can't blame him. Oh, that's horrible. What a horrible. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't looking to sign up to this already, Charlie. I had my <laughs> suspicions, but I'm starting to suspect this bloke might not be a very good bloke. Uh, it gets worse. I'll just warn you. 
He also teaches that illness is caused by the possession of the body by evil spirits and is reported to have told a terminally ill patient that evil spirits had entered her liver and her kidneys. He reportedly teaches couples that when a man orgasms inside a woman, she will take on his bad energy. And he has said that if a possessed entity is of a sexual nature, then they can invade the father's body whilst he sleeps at night and leave his body to have sex with his daughters. On race, he writes that skin color evolution was a conscious choice and that, uh, and that Asians chose yellow skin, saying it signifies intellect. Whereas the pursuit of lighter complexion arose when uh, black people became identified with, uh, with darkness. He taught his followers that if their children misspent their inheritance or if they set conditions on the donations or if they set conditions on the donations to universal medicine, that their kidney energy could be harmed in the next life. Wow. Yeah, well, that makes sense. During sermon in September 2017, Ben Hayen stated he could orgasm as a hermaphrodite. <laughs> God, <laughs> claiming that he had the ability to orgasm like a woman and ejaculate as a man simultaneously. <laughs> now look, everything else, everything else we've read so far pales in comparison. That is the one thing you need to lead with, that you can orgasm like a woman while ejaculating like a man. You could do, turn that into a stage show and that's all you'd need to do. A webcam show, that's all you'd need to do for the rest of your life. You'd never have to work again. Well, I think that's how he yada, yada, yada all the, you know, your ghost body goes out at night and has sex with your daughter stuff. Like he was losing the crowd. He was doing some of his dark edgy stuff <laughs> and he was losing the crowd. And he was just like, nah, I'll got your back. I'll distract you. I can orgasm as a man and a woman at the same time. Here we go. Thank you very much. Good night. Uh, universal medicine and the way of living the livingness has followers in Australia, the UK, North America and Europe. How? Critics have characterized How it does it have followers? I don't know. How Character- does anybody follow this fucking dodgy charlatan former tennis coach? Well, here we go. An ex-partner of the Universal Medicine supporter complained that Ben Hayen controlled every aspect of their lives. Ben Hayen, who is reportedly referred to as a fifth-degree initiate and the one, rejects his claims. Of course he does. According to the Chilling Effects website and other sources, he has used legal threats to have cult allegations, including those with, within media reports, removed from the Australian Google search indexes. So scrub the internet. The organization has at least seven lawyers as members, wow, and officially denies it is a cult. But when Australian doctor questioned Amelia Stevens, a UN member and a Brisbane doctor, she responded, this depends on what your definition of cult is. So there's, I mean, it's not just TOFOP that's number one amongst uh, Australia's doctors. Looks like UN has some doctors in there as well. I mean, okay, so here's what I would say is they're litigious, so... Obviously, everything I said about him being a charlatan was in jest and satire and for comedy purposes. Uh, and of course, Charlie and I both respect the, respect the wonderful work that the good people at Universal Medicine are doing. With that said, how does anybody, I, I don't just mean like vulnerable people or people who are in a situation where they can be misled by somebody, but like educated people, doctors, lawyers, how do they get involved in something like this, which is clearly run by somebody who is allegedly extremely dodgy look he was a former tennis coach i think we can like that's on the <laughs> record at all I, I don't think there's any other allegation we can make about him as as harmful as just pointing out the factual nature that he was a former tennis coach ben hayen and other senior un members have a history of calling the police on journalists and claim to be victims of a media witch hunt and smear campaign oh, hmm sounds shit. really familiar i just can't think of where i've heard this before 
The group's devotees and practitioners reportedly inundate media, inundate media organizations who publish stories about UN with angry letters and written complaints and denounce those in the media who critique them as irresponsible journalists. Well, you know what the good news is, Charlie? Uh, we're going to get a whole lot of extra mail in the Tofop mailbag. Fantastic. And we're not going to get to those complaint letters for about six months. So in your face, Universal Medicine College. Devotees created the company Real Media, Real Change to combat unfavorable media coverage as well as the Universal Medicine Facts website by the UM Facts team to combat UM critics. Sergey Benhayen is the registrant of, the, of this Facts About Universal Medicine website. UM labels non-believers as detractors or, well, suppressive personalities maybe even. Oh no, I'm not an SP. With senior UM members claiming that these detractors are really afraid of them. Fuck yes, I am. I mean, if you're going around suggesting that, like, uh, people are responsible for their own sexual assault, that, you know, that people get punished with disabilities, then yeah, I am afraid of you. I mean, what other crazy shit are you going to believe? In 2019, the Supreme Court published that evidence was tendered to the, in proceedings that there had been a significant and persistent opposition to attempts to expose UM's bogus healing claims and practices, often involving personal and professional attacks on any critics. There are problems associated with Ben Hayen's ongoing zealous support, including from health professionals, who evidence a lack of insight into the dangers of universal medicine activities, the deceptive conduct engaged in and the uh, in universal medicine and the risk that it poses to vulnerable people followers claim to be members of um which they assert is like a religion but ben hayen contradicted this saying he ran a business with clients and that there are no group and no members we're a non-profit that's how you always get away with it <laughs> Ben Hayen's doctrine, the way of the livingness, is one which he currently operates under his universal medicine business and is a form of theosophy. Theosophy. How do you say it? Theosophy? Theosophy. Theosophy. Theosophy? Theosophy. A form of theosophy. He was denied charitable status in the UK in 2011 as it did not meet the criteria of genuine religion and is not registered as a religion in Australia. Uh, Helen Blavatsky, the founder of 19th century theosophy um, that Ben Hayen's doctrine is based on, insists that it's not a religion. Critics say universal medicine places unreasonable pressure on followers to adhere to a severely restricted diet to avoid most exercise and, and to avoid most exercise for fear that things might infect their spiritual alignment and lead to poor health. After reviewing a diet chart from UM's, uh, from UM, the professor of public health at the University of Wollongong and former president of the Public Health Association of Australia, Heather Yateman, said it was a public health issue when children were placed on such restrictive diets. She says, if a child is not having daily a dairy or cereals, they are likely to be low on energy and there could be some risk of stunting children and they're not getting, if they're not getting enough energy. It's critically important there's a balanced diet especially at the weaning stage because it can impact overall growth and cognitive development. It's a public health issue. Mm. But have doctors taken into account the idea that if that kid is stunted, Charlie, it might be because they misbehaved in a previous life? <laughs> yeah, that, come on. It's medical science. Uh, followers are reportedly told health problems result in wrongdoings in their past lives. Cult Counseling Australia Director Raphael Aron said his organisation had a researcher working full-time on UM, after counselling former clients who were concerned about the influence on their children. 
He said uh, that uh, CCA had also counseled breakaway followers who were still battling to withdraw emotionally from the group. He says that UM seems to be exercising a level of mind control to the point where people submit to whatever this fellow seems to be offering to their detriment. What he's doing is potentially very, very dangerous. Do you think he uses any of his tennis coaching like uh, skills in, in, at, the, at any point in this? Like, do you think he lines them up? 100%. It feels like he completely controls their world, everything they think, everything they do. It's a regimented schedule. He's got a list of rules and justifications for those rules. The idea of, you know, you're monitoring your diet and all these sort of things, it fits. So much of this would have come just straight from tennis coaching. Yes. Well, it says here that uh, one of the cult experts says that Mr. Bayen, ben Hayen knows what they should read, what they should wear, what they should eat, how they should exercise, what kind of sexual life they should experience. And so they end up in this very restrictive world. He engages in bizarre sexual manipulation to make money for his business. He's got opinions on music, Will. Okay, great. That's what I was looking for. Because up until now, I'm a bit 50-50 about whether I'll join UM. But let's uh, hear what his music or let's hear what his Spotify list is. Well, he asserts that music such as rock, reggae, pop, funk, rap, and the work of J.S. Bach contains pranic energy that his followers must abstain from. Okay, so there's okay. no rock, no reggae, no pop, no funk, no rap, and the works of J.S. Bach. I mean, why, mm. why is Bach copping it? It feels like he just doesn't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Bach. <laughs> That's basically Fate what no I've more. Heard there. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> Taught to reject other forms of music, UM followers commit to in-house esoteric and glorious Ben Hayen-approved music, uh, such oh. as music by Miranda and Michael Ben Hayen. Well, the official UN musician, Chris James. WFMU music critic Mike Mika Moses says tracks from the UM record label Glorious Music, a contemporary faux urban pop, imitation mainstream dreck that is mostly unplayable and dreadfully bad. Oh, we've got to hear some bloody UM F, uh, WFMU music, right? Mika Moses. Okay. Gee, there's got more... It's a long entry. I'm going to just skip through some of this stuff. Uh, okay, so they've basically got every medical body in Australia hates them and is trying to get them taken down. The tax office is after them um, because even though they claim to be non-profit, there's about um, $600,000 in charitable donations that have not been accounted for. Well, that's what he's, that, that was what was wrong with his tennis coaching business. That's why it went bankrupt. Not enough charitable donations. He, he was like, this is the floor. I need some off-the-books charitable donations and people won't give those to a tennis coach. In 2015, Ben Hayen appeared in the Supreme Court when his sizable inheritance from the estate of devotee Judith McIntyre was challenged by her children. The breast mm -hmm. cancer victim, her estate was estimated to be worth over a million dollars, 600000 of which was intended for Sergey Ben Hayen. A further gift of 800000 was given to Ben Hayen by McIntyre three days after executing her will. Justice James Stevenson declined to alter the distribution of the estate and issued a ruling stating that Mrs. McIntyre appears to have carefully considered it of, of how she should dispose of her estate. Mm. Prior to her death, UM followers had established themselves as Miss McIntyre's nurse, housemates, financial planners, the witness to her will, the lawyer who drafted and its, and its executor. Ben Hay and Solicitor acted as both benefactor and beneficiary in a later Unrelated trial, the New South Wales Supreme Court jury found it was substantially true to say that Ben Hayen preys on, swindles, and exploits cancer patients by targeting them to leave their uh, to leave him bequests in their wills, 
and he exercises undue influence on them to inherit the bulk of their million dollar estates. Fuck man, this guy is <laughs> the worst. He's just he's the he's worst. Just the worst. <laughs> there's there's other former tennis coaches who are like, you know what, mate? I never thought it could be lower than just being a former tennis coach, but you are the worst of us. You are the person that all other former tennis coaches look down their noses at. I mean, this is like evil mastermind, like Lex Luthor type stuff. Like it's just so gross. Um, okay, uh, Ben Hayen versus Rocket defamation trial. Ben Hayen unsuccessfully sued blogger Esther Rocket for defamation in the Supreme Court between 2015 and 2018. He claimed social media posts she had made portrayed him as delusional, dishonest, a sexual predator, and the leader of a socially harmful cult. Rocket has described Ben Hayen as a sleazebag guru, accused him of performing sleazy ovarian readings on her during a treatment session, inappropriately touching her and engaging in inappropriate conduct towards women. Rocket, a religious studies graduate who studied cults, New Age and Eastern religions, argued the defences of truth and honest opinion in connection to her social media postings. In court, Ben Hayen claimed these portrayals made him feel raped. Well, buddy, that's probably punishment from a former life. You shouldn't have fucked up. By your rules, uh, I would have loved if the judge just said that. If the judge was just like, you fucking idiot. Um, Later, he said that he takes the subject of rape very seriously. Okay, Uh, so hang on. Can I ask this? So it was, what was the result of the court case? Uh, Well, I'm still going. During the seven-week okay. trial, in which began in 2018, Ben Hayne described himself as a teacher and a practitioner and also a business owner. He said his teachings, which are offered as courses, were derived from the tradition known as Ageless Wisdom, blah, blah, blah. He claimed to a whole bunch of shit. Under cross-examination, Ben Hayne also stated the people who abuse their authority, such as dictators and corrupt politicians, are ring... I can't do that before. Four-person jury completed answers to 58 pages of questions, finding Ms. Rocket in Ms. Rocket's favour against Mr. Ben Hayen. Well, that's good for us, right? Yeah, good news. That's uh, Before I said anything else, I just wanted to hear what the result of this trial was. So it <laughs> should be fine. They found it was substantially true to say he led a socially harmful cult, made bogus healing claims, inten- intentionally indecently touched her and a number of other clients, as Ms. Rocket had claimed, and there were reasonable grounds to believe Mr. Ben Hayen intentionally sexually preyed upon her and other clients during treatment sessions. It was also found substantially true to say Mr. Ben Hayen had an indecent interest in young girls ugh, uh, who, he, who he asked who he causes to stay at his house unaccompanied. He's guilty of inappropriate behavior with children and he's dishonest. The jury found the imputations that he vilifies people with disabilities, exploits cancer patients... Um, uh, it dishonestly promotes fraudulent ideas, de- de- denigrates life and glorifies death, and is a hypocrite because of his esoteric healing has a, as death as its goal. Were also substantially true. This is great. Okay, good. I was going to say we're, we're we're literally just reading off Wikipedia, so uh, you'd hope that this all was true. But the good news is it's been backed up in court. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the jury found um, that he was delusional. He'd done a bunch of wrong stuff. The judge declared that Ben Hayen's failure to accept a settlement offer made early in proceedings by the defendant was unreasonable and was quoted as saying the unreasonableness of the plaintiff's refusal to accept the offer is illustrated by his apparent appetite for the public humiliation of the defendant. He had to pay her about $1.2 million. Ben Hay and Sydney barristers were not, were, were not criticised for the handling of the case, included informing the court that Ben Hay accepts the analysis of the jury's verdict. Oh, he accepts that. Um, there's been attempts to have him criminally charged in the UK... 
there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of privacy issues, and there's a whole section on him scrubbing the internet, and that's it. Well, well, well. What do you reckon? Are you sold? I mean, at this stage, jury's out. But that might just be. You know what? I might have some liver poisoning from some sins I had in my previous life. Who fucking knows at this point? Um, it doesn't sound uh, like the sort of thing that you know, any reasonable person would get themselves involved with. It just, there's so many things in what you just read out that would be complete and utter red flags that you have to think. So if you are, if you do subscribe to this, you know, cult or this way of thinking, is there something just so powerful about what you've got out of it that you're willing to overlook all the sins of its creator? It's just one of those things where it's like, to start with this, to become a cult leader, like you just... You've just got to have that thick skin, don't you? Because you're going to start saying culty stuff and doing culty stuff, and then you're going to run into people like us or Rocket who are just going to laugh at you. But then you've got to be able to just bounce back and just keep going. What's that thing about, like, you you may ask out 100 people and 95 of them say no, but it's the five who say yes that make it worth it? That's the cult leader's approach, right? Well, that is... And it's what's working for Trump, right? Like every yeah. single thing that he's done, he's done like 300 things that would have ordinarily got like a, a president removed from office. But the fact that he just keeps doing them and just keeps going on, like it was only like two weeks ago that he was telling people it might be a good idea to drink bleach. And yet we've just rolled through that because he's rolled through it. He's, he's moved on to something else. So we've all moved on to something else. And it feels like we might look back on Donald Trump's history and find that at some stage he was indeed a tennis coach. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it for TOEFOP for this week. Thank you, Andrew. That was great content. Um, anyone can email us at email tofop at gmail.com. Uh, we're also going to be releasing a Patreon episode this week where we answer some Patreon questions and give away some more uh, TOEFOP fridge magnets. Uh, if you want to support our Patreon, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. There's a bunch of bonus content up there. Like I said, there's bonus letter episodes, there's videos, there's a brand new Everyone Relax comic strip by James Fosdyke, uh, behind the scenes photos, Q&A vids, a whole bunch of wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I think if you, even if you sign up for a dollar, try it on for a month and see what you think. See if you like the bonus content, see if you like the early notifications. Um, and then uh, uh, that's the best way to support us uh, through this current period. Another way to do that is to go to Redbubble, Redbubble slash redbubble.com slash people slash Mr. Foz. That'll take you to James Fosdark's page where there's a bunch of philosophy and TOEFOP um, uh, merch, T-shirts, mugs. Uh, we've, we've got face masks now as well, Australia's number one medical podcast, face masks. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, one of our listeners wore it, uh, had a, had a TOEFOP uh, number one medical podcast mug at work. Um, so that's a way you can support the show. Uh, James is saying that uh, in the last month since we've really been plugging the Red Bubble, we've seen our more sales in the past month than we had for the previous six months combined. So we're going to keep pushing that because uh, we believe in it, don't we, Will? We absolutely do. And we've got some other podcasts, of course. Uh, Fofop is coming out regularly at the moment. Gareth Reynolds is on the latest episode and it's absolute corker. And uh, Willosophy is coming out weekly. In fact, there'll be a couple of bonus episodes this week. And we did a new episode of Two Guys, One Cup our AFL podcast, the AFL season not being on has not stopped us from doing the podcast every couple of weeks. And <laughs> got to be honest, I think I'm enjoying it more, Charlie. I think I'm enjoying yeah. two guys, one cup more. It's kind of haunting me a little that the AFL is now coming back. I know, me too. I was like, oh shit, they've announced it. We're going to have to go back to doing it weekly. Maybe what we should do is shift two guys, one cup to be a 
football podcast we do in the off season, so we don't have the pressure of having to actually talk about games. I mean, that is actually not the worst idea, that we don't do it during the season and then we just come back in the off-season and do it then. Once we've had time to process shit. Uh, I also want to let people know um, that Dave Anthony and I are going to be doing a little Instagram live chat uh, this Saturday for American listeners. It'll be Friday at 8pm um, for Sydney, uh, so New Australian viewers. It'll be a 1pm on Saturday, Sydney time. So Dave and I are going to jump on old instagram live we're going to talk a little bit about walking the room and tofop and the early days of how we got together maybe talk about a bit of death of superpod um so tune in for that uh i'll be putting some stuff on the social media so there'll be plenty of notice about that as well uh is anything else no i think that's it all right i'm charlie clausen <laughs> i'm will anderson <laughs>